So we are living in a very unique day. The scriptures tell us of a time that our Messiah will return. We don't know the day, but the scripture says we'll know the season. Many scholars believe that our Messiah will return on Rosh Hashanah. Can we write that in stone? No, because if we're a prophet and we're wrong, man, you guys got to stone us to death and that's not fun. But as we look through the scripture, we look through history, we can see how God has used each of the feasts of Israel as points in time for our Messiah. We have his death at Passover. We have his resurrection at the Feast of First Fruits. We have the infilling of the Holy Spirit on the Feast of Latter Fruits. We believe he was born at Sukkot, God dwelling among us. So it's logical to say that this is the time. It's interesting, of all the feasts, why did he say on this day just to sound the shofar? That's it. We get to toot our own horn on this day. But is there something more? You know, I loved it when, when I went back to school and started learning the word after I became a believer. I bought a lot of books. One of my favorite commentaries was actually from a Baptist preacher who had a love for Israel. His teachings are greatest. His name is, I think it's Lockhart. I think I'm saying that right. I'm remembering off memory. And he was a great pastor who had this vision for Israel. And I remember reading his book when it talked about the scriptures of Jerusalem becoming, of Israel becoming a nation again. And he died in the early uh, 1900s. Never to see that happen. Matter of fact, when you read his writing, he, he writes it as if it never will happen. He can't fathom how it would happen. And a few short years after his death, Israel becomes a nation again. The scripture gets fulfilled. Isaiah prophesied that in one day Israel would be a nation. And on that hot day in May, 1948, with a vote from the United Nations, Israel becomes a nation. God started doing some wonderful things that day. What we don't realize then that we can see now is how God has fulfilled the Scripture. How God has brought His Word into being. I want you to turn to the book of Luke. We're going to go to Luke chapter 21. We're going to be reading verses 21 to about 24, and then we're going to jump down to around verse 29. Now, this is the, 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 his Tamudim had asked him about when he would return, what to expect. And this is his response. Then those in Jerusalem must flee to the mountains, and those inside the city must get out, 
and those in the countryside must not enter her. For these are the days of punishment to fulfill all that has been written. Woe to those who are pregnant and to those who are nursing babies in those days. For there will be great distress in the land and wrath on his people. They will fall by the edge of the sword and be led away to captives into all the nations. Jerusalem will be trampled on by the Gentiles until the time of the Gentiles be fulfilled. That is a key word there, that last line. Jerusalem will be trampled on by the Gentiles until the time of the Gentiles be fulfilled. When Yeshua spoke this, it was around 30, what we call now 30 A.D. And 40 years later, what happened in 70 A.D.? Jerusalem is trampled on by who? The Gentiles, the Romans. And this scripture started. You could put a clock out and start hearing the tick-tock, tick-tock, tick-tock. But see, God had a plan. See, God's not only here for the Jewish people. He's here for all who want to worship him. Amen. We see that from the very beginning of the Bible. That God, did not, even though he set us apart, he engrafted those righteous Gentiles into the body. We even see it at the Exodus in Egypt when those Gentiles left. We see it when he sends out the spies. And Caleb is picked from the tribe of Judah. If you don't know anything yet, check his out his family lineage. You will notice he is a Gentile. See, God brings Jew and Gentile together in the picture from the very beginning. And that's his plan. See, because God wanted both the Jews and the Gentiles to come into the kingdom. Almost 2,000 years have to pass. But this scripture, I can say today, has been fulfilled, and we're going to look at it in a minute. But I want to look at what was going to happen before the Messiah's return. We're going to skip down to verse 29. It's one of my most favorite parables. Now, what's a parable, first of all? Does it mean we take it literally? No, it means he's trying to... See, Jews, we love to tell stories. How many of you ever figured that out? If you haven't, let me tell you a story about it. Right, we're big in storytelling. Because we can get our point across. And people can see it easier when you can use your mind and your imagination. And Yeshua, being a good Jew, did just this. He says, look at the fig tree and all the trees. So he identifies the fig trees. Who's the fig trees? Who does that represent? Israel, right? It represents it all through the scripture. So if Israel is the fig trees, who are all the other trees? The Gentiles. What does the word Gentile mean? Nations. Right? So he's saying, look at Israel and the nations. As soon as they come out 
Go ahead. As soon as they sprout leaves, you will see it and you will know uh, at once that summer is near, right? Is summer near now? It's like 90 today. We haven't hit this yet. Something's going on, right? But it says, as soon as you see these things happening, what things happening? Israel and the nations coming to know Messiah. So also, when you see the, all these things happening, you will know that the kingdom of God is near. There's an amazing story here. When did the Israel, Jewish people start coming to know the Lord? Actually, it didn't happen really in 1948. But what did happen in 1948? Remember, Israel becomes a nation, right? And the scripture says too, Isaiah tells us that our knowledge will increase in multiple folds. Faster than ever before. Do you know what was created in 1948? Let's see how many electrical buffs are out there. The transistor. Some of you are old enough, I am not, <laughs> to remember radios with tubes in them, right? And you had to warm them up and then you got... <laughs> right? I had to give the sound effects for the people out there. And then this little transistor comes up and it revolutionizes the world. Our knowledge now has started to increase. Right? Guys started to hang out in their garages and make things called computers. Knowledge starts increasing. Right after Israel became a nation, all the surrounding countries, remember they're all our relatives, right? We're cousins. What do you do when someone moves into your neighborhood? Our, our next door neighbor's getting ready to move out. We're going to have new neighbors. What happens when that new neighbor comes in? What are we going to do? We're going to what? Bring a cake or something, right? Be something nice. Introduce yourselves, right? Do you know the Arabs have a very similar tradition? Except they don't bring, like, cakes and stuff. They bring weapons. It's a little different. <laughs> Israel is surrounded by all sides. It's enemy attacks. And thank God for the United States who have given Israel weapons. Israel, even though being just birthed as a nation, defeated its enemies. Why? Because God had not forsaken them. God had not forgotten them. He tells us that Jerusalem will be trampled on by the Gentiles until the time of the Gentiles be fulfilled. But there's a day coming in the future that the fig tree will blossom. That Jewish people will start to come to know Messiah like never before. And guess what? Same for the Gentiles. A revival will break out. Eyes will be open to the true Messiah of Israel. In 1948, Israel becomes a nation and its capital is? Tel Aviv. 
Jerusalem will be trampled on by the Gentiles until the time of the Gentiles be fulfilled. It's not in 1948. Jerusalem is not considered the capital of Israel, especially by the nations. I want to fast forward to you a few years later. See, here's the miracle that takes place. And I love this because I've actually heard this from actual soldiers in the war. How God did super miraculous things. I'll never forget when we did a, a trip for my brother Jay's ministry, the American Center for Law and Justice. We brought over 375 people from every state in, in, in the U.S. And we got to meet with different people. And we actually had a general, a general who was actually in the situation when they went to go re um, get the um, Olympic uh, athletes that were held captive. Remember, what, where was that at? Do y'all remember? No, in Tebe. Right on in Tebe, right? And he tells us of a story that happened to him personally. He said when they went in, remember, they're, they're in very tight quarters. And if you're a military person, you'll know this. When you're in a situation, what do you do when you're going one right behind each other? You put your hand on the other one. Have you ever noticed that in movies? Right? For those of you like me who not, I never understood that. What it let you know is there's a person behind you, right? That the person had your back. That's where it comes from. Right? And they hold on and they're going down. And he said as they were going in to get these guys, a dove landed on his other shoulder. And as bullets were shooting all over the place, that dove did not fly away. And they were able to go in and they got... All the people out. Matter of fact, the only person who was killed was um, Netanyahu's uh, brother. But he said they got on the plane, and when they got all the people back out on the plane, that bird left his shoulder. Showing that he was protecting them, that God was with them. Other stories I heard from the, the battlefields of Israel. One of my favorite stories is that there were a group of soldiers and they were being chased by tanks. There was Israelis that were having to retreat and these tanks were coming after them. And they started running and they realized they were not, the tanks were catching up with them and their commander told them to step, bow down and say the Shema. Now you might ask, why do they bow down and say the Shema? And Jewish person, if, you, if you're getting ready to die, the last things on your lips should be the Shema. Shema Yisrael, Adonai Eloheinu, Adonai Echad. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And as they were sitting there and praying this, he said those tanks that the, they, the men just recently ran over that same land started going and sinking into the ground one after another. Other reports is that they had gone into a, a minefield and the soldiers were, you know, couldn't go anywhere. And a great wind came up and blew all the sand and showed them where all the mines were. Other reports are when the soldiers were getting shot at. And they, they said they saw men dressed in white going and taking the soldiers and bringing them into the foxholes. And then disappearing. This might be where it comes from. There's now an atheist in a foxhole. 
Miracle after miracle after miracle took place. One of the great parts of this war, this six-day war, do you think God has a sense of humor? Do you think he wanted us to know something? What else did God do in six days? Created the heavens and earth, and on the seventh day he rested. And as he got ready, Israel did a preemptive strike. And they started pushing back the enemy. Now you have to understand, I want you to set your mind for to understand this. In 1967, 68, sorry, 48, I'm sorry, I always get them mixed up. 1948, we become a nation, 19, dyslexia affects five out of every four children. Some of you will figure that joke out later. 1948, we become a nation, 67, we have the six-day war, I apologize. I don't use notes if you haven't figured that out yet. It's all from the memory, and hopefully that won't go. Somebody got that one too. <laughs> right, but here you have a situation. Israel, until this point, could never go to the Western Wall. If you've been to Israel, you know how this is. They were never able to go to the place that God had dwelt, where Abraham went to sacrifice Isaac. They couldn't go to that spot, it was forbidden. Half of Jerusalem was controlled by the Arabs. And they didn't allow them to go to those places. It's not like today. And this war broke out. And Israel started pushing back the enemies. And they got to Ammunition Hill. Ammunition Hill is an amazing place. When you go to Israel with us, you've got to see it. We've made it a, a permanent part of our tour because it's such a vital point in Jewish history. See, this was the stronghold of the Arab soldiers. If you could get past this, you could get to Jerusalem. The problem was no one could get past this. They were heavily, uh, you know, encamped. They had trenches, bunkers. And the soldiers had to go and fight. And while they were fighting, they were getting shot at in the trenches. One of the rich soldiers realized they had to get out. He took a machine gun, one of the big ones. Got up out of the bunker. I had a feeling before he got out of that bunker, he said the Shema. He probably thought about his wife and three, or I think it was a five-year-old son that was at home. But he knew what had to be done. And he got up out of that bunker and started running towards the enemy line. He took out so many of their soldiers before they finally took him down. It was that war cry that the others needed. When they went back to see his body afterwards, 
They stopped counting the bullet holes at 21. But they were able to take that land. They were able to recapture Ammunition Hill. It was a turning point in the war. What's really amazing is we get to meet that five-year-old son. See, the other soldiers adopted him and helped raise him. They watched over him. Israel has a unique rule in their, in their army. You know, everyone has to go in the army in Israel, men and women, right? But if you had a loved one who died serving their country, you don't have to go. And so this young man was exempt. He was an only child for his mother. But he wanted to be like his dad. He wanted to serve in the same unit his father served in. He had to get permission from a Jewish mother to go to war. That is not easy. But she did it. And he now oversees this area. And to hear the story from him about how his father gave his life is an amazing time. But I don't think he even realizes the whole picture. See, shortly after that, they recaptured Jerusalem. I'm about to have Dan play for you the actual sound as it went over the armed forces radio. You're going to hear shofar blasts in the background. You're going to hear a man screaming. I'm going to tell you what he said because he says it in Hebrew. But see, I want you to understand what's about to take place. See, if the Israeli soldiers go and take Jerusalem, they're now defying the UN, which means that the UN can come into the war on the side of the Arabs. Israel has to make a choice. Do you stay where you are? This, by the way, this is day three of the war. Do you stay where you are, or do you retake the land? And this is the point that you'll hear the soldier going over. And I'm going to let him play it, and then I'll tell you what it says. Are we ready? June 7, 1967. After nearly 2,000 years, Jerusalem is in Jewish hands again. Thank you. 
צועדים לקירות. אנחנו צועדים עכשיו בוויה דולורוסה. אנחנו צועדים בוויה דולורוסה. אתם מבינים מה זה? העיר העתיקה? אנו נמצאים בתוך העיר העתיקה שוב פעם. מזבד אל-אקצא, מגד אל-אקצא. כאן לא יכולנו להיכנס גם בזמן המנדט. רגע, You can hear the people cheering in the background. What he said there was, we're going to the gates of Jerusalem. We're not supposed to be here. We're going through the gates. And then as he gets up to the wall, He cries out, Jerusalem is ours! Jerusalem is ours! And at that point, the clock started to stop ticking. See, the time of the Gentiles was coming to an end. But it hadn't finished yet. You see, Israel retook that land. Not only did they take that, they took the Golan Heights and, Mount, and, uh, and into uh, Egypt and the Sinai. They had completely obliterated their enemy. When they attacked, they went over and they did preemptive attacks and they wiped out the Egyptian air force before it even got off the ground. But there was places of fighting. One of the stories came out in a kibbutz. Kibbutz is a group of people like you and I living together. And they were trying to defend their land against the, the, the soldiers. And there was just a handful of Israelis. And there was massive armies around them. And the Arab commanders gave signs to attack. And instead of attacking the Arab soldiers dropped their weapon and started running the other way. When the commander shot out, they said, what are you doing? They said, don't you see them? They're all around us. He goes, what do you mean? There's just a couple Israelis. No, there's thousands of them. Run for your life. See, they weren't just seeing the Israelis. They were seeing the army of the Lord. And God did something amazing. Because if you're old enough to remember what happened in, in the 60s, is the revival. Matter of fact, more Jewish people have come to know the Lord since that time than in all of history combined. I'm going to say that again. More Jewish people have come to know the Lord in the last about 40 plus years than in all of history combined. Judy and I got to be a, a witness of the book of Acts being relived. I can sit here and tell you that before my very eyes, I saw over 5,000 Jewish people in one day come to know the Lord. Give the Lord a hand. 
The revival that happened in Russia was amazing. I got to be a part of it. I was blessed. We saw that revival go down to Argentina and around the world. Jewish people coming to the Lord. But you know what? The Scripture says also Gentiles. And things are happening. But Jerusalem still wasn't considered the capital of Israel. Sure, for the Israelis, we've said it from then, from, from in the 1940s. But no other nation would join us until December 2017. When our president did something that no other president ever did. Many of them, going back, Republican and Democratic alike, promised when they were elected, I heard them all say it, they were going to make Jerusalem the capital. How many of y'all heard it? Republicans and Democrats alike said it, but when they got into office, things changed. Anyone surprised? But something different took place. May of last year, guess what? They opened up the embassy in Jerusalem. Ladies and gentlemen, the time of the Gentiles has come to an end. Jerusalem is once again controlled by the Jewish people. Revival is breaking out. But are you ready for the end days? End days aren't going to be so great, are they? There's going to be times of trouble. Verse 32. Truly, it says, see also, well, there you go. Amen. I tell you, this generation will not pass away until all things happen. What generation? The generation that sees Jerusalem once again under the control of the Jewish people. Can any of you all imagine? Could you, could you have imagined this? Again, the, the writers like Ironside, who is a great uh, Baptist preacher who, who wrote the commentaries, could never envision Jerusalem, Israel, even being a nation, and yet it is. But yet, now we have a bigger promise. See, the scripture also tells us in the end days before our Messiah returns that a third of Jerusalem will, be, will fall by the sword again. And the Jewish people, seeing that the destruction of Israel is imminent, will cry out to God, Baruch Habab Hashem Adonai. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. The prophets wrote about it. Yeshua told us about it. He said, Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem. Right? Although I've gathered you like hens, you have forsaken me. But I will, you will cry out, and I will be there for you. And the words that he said they will cry out is those words. Baruch haba b'ashem Adonai. That's when he'll get up on his horse. Have his talit on, have a shofar in one hand and a sword in the other. And he's coming for business. 
And that's what we're waiting for. But when we look at our society today, how can we believe it's going to happen? Who is Israel's number one enemy right now? Iran. Iran wants to destroy Israel. But the scripture tells us that every knee will bow and every tongue confess that weapons will be turned into plowsheds. How many of you would believe that maybe one day Iran will no longer be a Muslim country but a Christian country? Could you believe that? Can you, could you imagine that happening? Could you imagine the mosque being empty? Could you imagine Muslims loving Israel? I'm going to say that again. Muslims loving Israel. Or would you be like Ironside and say, oh, well, it can never happen. How could we imagine this? Do we serve a God who is stronger than anything? Yes. Who can part the waters? Who can make the dead rise? Is anything impossible for God? If you sat here and told me that Iran is going to love Israel, I'm, if I was you out there, I'm going, this rabbi, is, he's, he's hitting something. He drank the sacred wine too much. What's in the bottle of water? Come on. Y'all don't really believe that, do you? It's good water. Can, can a nation turn to God? Would newspapers report it? How about I told you one did at least? As I was preparing for this message, and it changed my whole message, by the way. I read an article on Fox News. At first, I didn't believe it. The title of it is This Nation Has the Largest, Fastest Growing uh, Believers in the World. No church, no buildings. No pastors, but God is moving. How many of you would read that article? I wanted to see. Guess who it is? Iran. Matter of fact, there's a, you can watch a movie about this whole documentary of what's going on. It's saying that inside Iran, that the mosques are empty. That an underground group of believers are flourishing. Now you have to realize in Iran, if you say you're a believer, guess what happens to you? You're going to be killed. In fact, it's interesting because many women are the ones being, are, are, lead, are becoming believers. And they're having to really take their faith on the line because unlike what you read in the news, they do really bad things to people. But they realize what's going on. 
And the article goes on to say not only are they becoming believers, people are having signs and wonders. People are seeing images of Yeshua in their sleep. See, God is moving. It's not that you have to come to a building. God is coming to them. And not only is he changing their hearts, because we know what the scripture says, right? Where does God dwell? Inside of us. When we accept Yeshua into our hearts, we're filled with the Ruch HaKodesh. And not only does it say they're becoming believers, but they're becoming lovers of Israel. Did you hear what I just said? They're not our enemy anymore. They're loving us. Remember Taz Saeed, former Palestinian, he's a Palestinian who used to be a sniper. Do y'all know what that means? It means he used to kill my people. But God radically changed his life. I love the story. He, he lives in, in uh, Jericho, which is the West Bank. And the Palestinians will occasionally send, uh, give him trouble because of what he's doing. And I remember he told me a story that he woke up one night in the middle of the night and Israelis soldiers have come in and, and, and into his house. And he woke up at gunpoint. And they searched his house and they found an Israeli flag. And they said, why do you have this Israeli flag? And you know what he said? Because I love Israel. Our enemies will turn to love us. Right now in the headlines, all you hear is Iran is our enemy. But what happens when we hear Iran loves Israel? What happens when we hear that Iran will have a peace treaty with a new government? And you know what the interesting thing is? You know why they say the, 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 the Arabs are fleeing Islam and coming to love the Jewish Messiah? It's because of their leaders. Because their leaders for the last 40 years have put them under this bondage. And they realized that it's not the truth. See, their God doesn't come and love on them. They don't have a personal relationship with their God. But we do. And that's what God is calling us today. We are seeing the book of Acts relived. The Golden Heights was just recently declared by our president as land of Israel. These are major things. Israel, it's not a surprise that the Israeli, the, sold, the uh, elections are so wild right now. Because you know what? The devil doesn't want this to happen, does he? So he's trying to get his way in. It's, it's almost like a chess game. But guess what? I've read the last page of the Bible. We win. So fear not. Take hold of the word. Because we know it's true. The time of the Gentiles has been fulfilled in Jerusalem. We're now ready to take that next step. 
More Jewish people have come to know the Lord than any other time. The fig tree is blossoming. There are more Gentile believers in the world today that believe in Yeshua than any other time in history. Are you ready for His return? Are you ready to take a stand? Because to be in His army is to be in the army of victory. Are you ready to stand firm with Him? And there's only one way to do it. So you have to receive Yeshua into your heart. Just like those Arab men and women in Iran that are finding God. And they're reading the Bible. And you know what? They're reading the Bible and they're taking it for what it says. Surprise! And they realize that Israel is not their enemy. God has opened the eyes of Esau. And he's bringing them back. So that he can establish his kingdom. It's a powerful time we're living in. I don't care what you think about our president. He has done something that no other president has ever done. He is a friend of Israel. And he's standing with us. The devil doesn't like that, does it? But we have to, you know, and I, got, I know that I got probably half the congregations, Democrat, other half Republican. Got a couple independents in there, some, you know, right? Doesn't matter. We're not, we're not, we all get together, don't we? But we have to realize when a president does what he says about Israel, that matters. And that's why we're blessed. Abraham made that promise. I will bless those who bless my people Israel. Our nation is blessed. Because our government is supporting Israel. But you know what? We have some in Congress right now that aren't loving Israel. We've got to be very careful. There's sheep. There's wolves in sheep clothing. We've got to get them around. We have to make it like it was up until the last few years. It didn't matter if you were Republican or Democrat. Everyone loved Israel. Everyone supported Israel. We need to get back to that. Because if not, we're in big trouble. Because I know God's word is true. And I want to be a blessing, not a curse. I want to be able to see what God can do. God is in control. He's with the Israels, the soldiers on the battlefield. Doing supernatural work. Because that's the kind of God we serve. He just doesn't sit up in heaven. But he comes down here right with us. I want everyone to bow your head and close your eyes. If you don't know Yeshua as your Messiah, doesn't matter if you're Jewish or Gentile, he came for everybody. Now is the time to say yes to him. If God is talking to you, let him in. 
Watch what He can do in your life. He will change you. Doesn't matter what you're going through right now. God will wipe you clean and give you a clean slate. But you must take that first step. You must say yes to Him. If you're watching online, or if you're watching it recorded, you see the information on the screen, wherever you are around the world, if you want to say this prayer of salvation, all you have to do is contact us, and we will contact you and pray with you this prayer personally. But if you're here right now in the congregation, and you're ready to say yes to him, to accept Yeshua as your Messiah into your heart, all you need to do is raise your hand, and we'll say a prayer with you. Is there anyone? Anyone at all. And Abba Father, as we come before you right now, Lord, I thank you for what you've done and what you're doing and how you're changing the world to fulfill your scripture. Lord, we wait for the day that every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Yeshua is King of kings and Lord of lords. That weapons will be turned into plowsheds. And that your, your son will be able to rule over this earth. Lord, give us the strength we need to share the good news. Lord, I know this message goes all through the world right now because of the internet. And Lord, let it touch those in those countries. Maybe they don't know you yet. Lord, reveal yourself to them. Open your eyes through signs and wonders. Speak to them in dreams. Let, them let the truth be revealed to them so they may go from darkness into light. We ask this in your Son, Yeshua's precious name. And everyone said, Amen. 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 Give the Lord a hand. Amen. Amen.